0: Hello and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, and unknowable.
1: I'm Justine and I'm Gray. This week we have a double segment of missing persons cases Um, and from what I know about both of these they're pretty like like the spectrum that they're on are like complete opposite ends of like what the possible what the possible scenarios are so I'm excited because this is going to be a broad topic.
0: Oh good. Yeah, I for once we so I don't know anything about Gray's case, but Gray knows a tiny bit about mine.
1: I've heard of it. And you I like, I've maybe done research on it way in the past just for fun, but I don't remember any yeah. of the specifics.
0: Okay, good. Good, good. Yeah, there's not not too much. Um so yeah, this is a fun one. Uh yeah, we haven't done a missing person's case in a while, and right. It's kind of great because there's, like, millions of them, which oh, yeah. is creepy in itself. That, uh, yeah, right? There's so many. like, like a,
1: a genre of, like, like life. Like, oh, yeah, that person who disappeared under mysterious circumstances and will probably never know what happened to them.
0: Yeah. Like, that's... I, we've talked about this before, probably in every missing persons case or any, like, every episode we've done where that's been a possibility. Right. Um, I still just think it's, like, one of the creepiest things, like... That people can just disappear and probably in most of these cases, there's only maybe even just a couple people who know what happened and that's it. Right. Um, and yeah, like you said, that we will just never, nobody will ever know the loved ones of that person will never know. It's just going to be a mystery forever except for those, I think, really rare cases where Something is found later on And even then You might find out That the person's dead You might right. find a body Or something But you're probably not Gonna really know What happened Even if you can tell Like oh yeah They got murdered Or You know Something like Some circums- Like general circumstances Are likely You still won't ever know Like what led To that Right um, Right Which Totally fucks me up I like can't think about it For too long Cause I'm just like
1: What Oh yeah Man yeah, Hopefully it just never Happens to us You know
0: Yeah, like I've said it before, and I feel like it could be controversial, and I hope I don't offend anybody who has experienced either side of this. But I mean, we sort of have, like, our. I think some listeners know our dad passed away. I feel like I'd prefer that to like to knowing that he died and like knowing how he died, even to if he had just left one day and just never come home. Oh yeah, right. I really like as hard as it is and you know not to like say that either one is easy right. at all no, but right. knowing what happened and like having at least some form of closure in that sense to be mm-hmm. like this is what happened this is how he died we were even there like there's no mystery about it really is so much better right. to me than being like did he leave on purpose did he have an act like not knowing would be right. awful
1: it's like even if you can't come to terms with the reality you can at least come to terms with the facts You know
0: Exactly Yes That's a good way To put that Like It's not that it's easy To just be like Oh great As long as it's got All the details It's just like Oh easy And I'm coping with it And things are fine Like that's not how it is at all It's just Right At least there's no There's always gonna be A little bit of wondering But like There's no real wondering Of like Oh my god Right What What happened to him Why Did he go on purpose Like Mm -hmm. That's I think the worst And You don't even know If the person like Left intentionally and wanted to leave or if something happened to them like you just yeah it's right. terrible so yeah. woo
1: it's <laughs> <This is laughs> times. Dark. Yeah, it's real dark already <laughs> it's, it's nice late time, eh? <laughs> Jesus.
0: yeah this is great a little pre-thanksgiving or wait post-thanksgiving it's gonna be post-thanksgiving mm. by the time you're listening to this but oh, yeah. yeah you know just good times um good times. so so my missing person um I spent a good while looking through missing persons cases And this one Really stuck out to me like I had, think I had read Maybe four different Cases that I just found randomly and I was like eh. And then I read about Jim Sullivan And I was like yes this is it This is the one This is it it was just like immediately I was like oh yeah Um so Jim Sullivan was or is We don't know dun, dun, dun. Uh, I guess Yeah it's been it's been a while it's probably likely he's not alive, regardless of what happened on this particular day, but still, mm. um he was a six foot two singer songwriter that commonly went by the name Sully, so if that gives you a an idea, he was known to have a very magnetic personality, um classic like handlebar mustache. He was like that dude, yeah um yeah, he. Wrote uh, sort of dramatic, like, it was described as psych folk songs that were, uh, quote, lonesome and brooding. And, yeah, he lived in California. He was sort of a a staple for a while in Hollywood clubs in the 1960s. Um, He hung around with, like, some even kind of big actors like Lee Majors and Harry Dean Stanton. Hmm. And... You know, various other like Hollywood hangers-on, right? And he even ended up with like an uncredited part in the movie Easy Rider with his friend Dennis Hopper. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So, dude, Dennis Hopper's a wild. That's dude. a thing. Yeah, he's a wild. Like, I think that kind of gives you some insight too of like, oh, <laughs> yeah, what Jim Sullivan was up to. <laughs> yeah, this guy might have been doing some some shit. Um. So yeah, there's. It's interesting reading about this guy. There's a lot of, um a lot of articles on various sort of music type of websites that focus primarily around that talking about him and there's a lot of information about his career or like attempted career and like his music style and stuff which is interesting but not totally relevant to this um so just you know if anybody's really into music or wants to know more about his like musical side you can find a lot of articles that talk about that like his influences And what musicians really admired him And stuff like that right. um, I didn't get super deep into that So Long story short Is that his wife, Barbara um, She was, I think, a receptionist At a record label oh. um, And she was the breadwinner She made most of the family's money And he was kind of trying to Make it as a musician um, I believe he ended up with Two albums that Neither of which ended up on any big Record labels, I think one ended up on like A much smaller Label, I think right? Um, But neither of them like really made it even I forget which record label it was that she His wife worked for, but they Took a look at one of his albums and they were sort of like Eh, it's not really for us Um, So he was just really trying to Make this whole thing work And like this was his his passion And um, you know, obviously I don't know the details of his marriage, but it seemed like he had a good partnership going with his wife You know, she was willing to kind of Make the money for them so, so he could attempt to pursue this Word. Um So eventually they planned To temporarily, not separate uh, Maritally, but separate Geographically, physically So he could head off to Nashville To try to find either session or songwriting work And then his plan was that Once he started making some money That he would, you know Bring his wife and uh I think he just had one son, but some hmm. things mentioned kids. Um, but he has at least one son, uh, but he never made it to Nashville. Um, Damn. Yeah, his son Chris actually remembers just, like, saying something so simple and commonplace cl- as his last words to his father. Like, his quote was drive safe or some inane thing like that. Um, Damn. You know, of course, well, I mean, she's thinking.
1: You don't know. Yeah. You don't know what's your last words, you know?
0: Yeah. They thought it was going to be, you know, even driving from California to Nashville, like wasn't going to be that long of a trip. He would get there, you know, within a week or whatever. And, um, you know, and then they would kind of hear from him when he was there. But no, he uh, So they have there's some typewritten notes uh, that were by his wife. She died in November 2016 um, and they were shared with The New York Times sort of in an attempt to like piece together what could have happened. Um. So he left on March fourth, nineteen seventy five, and he called his wife Barbara the day after, March sixth, or sorry, March fifth. Um, and she said it was odd he called and you know wanted to reassure her that he was all right. And she said that she had no reason to think otherwise because he had only left the day before. You know, why would I think anything was wrong? Right. And she said the conversation was kind of cryptic. She was kind of pressing for details. She asked. Where he was and he was in uh, Santa Rosa New Mexico Hmm. And had said that he Was going to Leave the next day and she I guess whatever time of day it was she was kind of Confused like why aren't you just heading Out tonight like why would you stay And he responded You wouldn't believe me if I told you And she said like Jim what's the matter Is anything wrong and he said forget it Just forget I said anything I'll call you from Nashville Um but that never happened. Uh, days went by, no check ins. So the family started getting worried, started calling hospitals, which I'm sure was difficult. They had no idea if he was still there, if he had been driving for days, like where he could possibly be. Um, and police, they, uh, I believe an officer in Santa Rosa, where he was last uh, heard from, said that he wasn't in jail, but told um, Barbara's sister. He wasn't in jail quote but if you ask me that's where he belongs um huh apparently i think around there around santa rosa 15 hours or so on the road he had been pulled over on suspicion of driving under the influence uh but he passed a sobriety test he checked into the la mesa motel in santa rosa um and I, supposedly some people said that he had been spotted buying like a bottle of vodka at you know one of the town stores right um But police in there searching for him once this missing person's case was opened, said that they checked uh, his hotel room had never been slept in. The room key was locked into the room um, and none of his belongings were there. So they, I believe on the 8th, I think it was the 8th, or at least the 8th is when his car had been left um, about 24 miles south of town near a place called the Genetti Ranch. Right. Um and yeah, his car was I believe the battery was dead, the car was off, it was just sitting, um, it had his ID, his beloved twelve string guild guitar, a box of like both of his albums, um, all of his stuff, like his clothes and everything were in his car.
1: Huh.
0: Um Mrs. Gennetti, who Lives at the ranch said that she saw a man standing By the car and asked him if he needed any help And he said no and that person Was last seen walking away from the car Unclear if that was Jim Or somebody else but uh Weird it was thought to be Odd that She you know asked if he needed help and I think like Offered him a ride and he declined And you know they're sort of out In the middle of nowhere sort of Like in this you know just desert So it was kind of odd that he didn't want Any help um and like that's really it. Uh his guitar being on the front seat was like a huge sign that something was wrong. One of his friends, uh, Al Dobbs, said, "Quote, when I heard that, I knew he wasn't coming back. No matter what, Jim would never have left his guitar." Damn. So, yeah, like investigators couldn't find him, couldn't find any reason why he would disappear. Two of Jim's brothers arrived in Santa uh, Santa Rosa to look for him to f- try to find something that really wasn't much to be found at all um, There's A record label light called Light in the Attic That was uh, co-founded by a guy Named Matt Sullivan, confusing Because no relation at all right. um, But he Ended up hearing some of uh, One of Jim's albums Which, funny enough was His debut album, released in 1969 Was titled UFO dun, dun, um, dun. Yeah <laughs> He Sang of beckoning highways, aliens um, An Arizona ghost town All this different stuff And so this guy, Matt Sullivan Heard that record And I believe like sometime around 2010 And he was like, oh yeah, we totally want to put that out On our label, it's awesome Yeah. And he got like really into This whole missing persons case And he actually visited Santa Rosa with his wife who was a filmmaker I believe Right. And they were like trying to find out some stuff too like Or just to get an idea of what this guy was like um, But yeah, not really anything They found out like a gas station worker Had told the police that he had asked for directions Back to California, which is interesting huh. um, Considering he was heading to Nashville um, Weird. You know, they talked to some of his friends And his family They, you know, heard that nobody could really explain Why he had driven out to this remote area Um, Nobody believed that he was suicidal Which I've said before On episodes like I don't I never really think that's totally reliable Because I doubt Most people know that people they Love are suicidal But um, You never know But yeah there was really nothing um, Nothing that was ever found They did find a body in the desert I believe like months later But it was determined not to be his And I don't know exactly What that was based on If they did like An actual DNA test If they just It it didn't totally match The description What the deal was with that But Hmm. um, Supposedly it was not him So There's all kinds of theories Um, But honestly Nothing super Like there's no Detailed theories About what happened There's kind of the basic Right The mafia I don't really know That he had any Concrete connections To the mafia If it was just that He was involved in like Hollywood In general Um yeah. Like the police again, I don't know why what the police would have to gain from killing him specifically, right uh him being murdered in general, which obviously could be anybody mm-hmm. um extraterrestrials, of course, Classic. both because of the location, it being New Mexico, it mm-hmm. being out in the desert, him having possibly some interest in that uh
1: or experience with him. and then
0: right or experience like uh apparently his wife Barbara according to their son he said you know that she did believe and he thinks that maybe it's just the easier theory for her to believe but she did think that it could very well have to do with an alien abduction um according to the son chris he said quote she was a pretty free-thinking person that there was a multi-dimensional realm we could all occupy and that eventually they could occupy that realm together wow He said with a laugh, hell, why not? Which is like pretty dope. I never hear about that when somebody goes missing. Like I never hear about the spouse being like, maybe they got abducted. Like that's kind of awesome.
1: Um, Damn.
0: And yeah, like it is a better theory than, you know, probably I think the most commonplace. Like I feel like with any of our unknowable topics, there's always the absolute most basic, boring, depressing, but logical explanation, which is just... Yeah, exactly Like the one that we don't want to believe Because it's it's no fun and it's really sad But that he just wandered into the desert Maybe a little drunk Maybe drinking that vodka that he bought Right And, uh, you know, lost his way Or whatever And just, you know, it's not that hard To get lost out in the desert And to die of exposure Oh yeah And the desert is huge And I don't know how de- Like there were multiple articles that were like you know on one hand it'd be like oh they did like an exhaustive search and then another article was like ah the people in the town actually felt like the police didn't do enough which is typical too of course right um so who knows and um there is his manager uh robert buster ginter (laughs) later stated that during this wasn't like the week that he went missing or anything but like a, a much earlier interaction they had uh Jim and Buster were talking about what They either of them would do if they had to Disappear and apparently Jim said that he'd Walk into the desert and never come back So
1: Hmm.
0: It's definitely possible Again was there some Belief in extraterrestrials on his Part was he Maybe that was a less depressing Statement where he was thinking that he'd walk into the Desert and they would find him there and take Him or was it just Literally, he'd walk into the desert and die.
1: Which, I mean, um, to me, that sounds like signs of potential, like suicidal ideation. Personally, mm. so yeah,
0: that you had even thought about that. That, um, I mean, that doesn't sound like a great way to die no. to me.
1: Um, I mean, I can say for one, I've never uttered those words, nor have I ever thought, like, oh yeah, if I was gonna go, I would just wander into the desert, right, or anything similar to that, for that matter.
0: Yeah, I've never thought about that. So mm-hmm. there's there's definitely that. I mean, there is some, I think, some credence to the idea that, like, especially if he knew, which he must, like, pretty sure my husband knows that I have a belief in <laughs> extraterrestrials and all that yeah. stuff. So, like, if he knew his wife believed in that type of stuff and he kind of left their home with this very hopeful note of, like, I'm going to Nashville, I'm going to finally make it, I'm going to bring you guys when I do. And then decides, I mean, maybe he didn't really intend for that to be how that ended, but maybe he got to Santa Rosa and was just like, if he asked for directions on how to get back, maybe he started doubting himself and was like, why am I doing this? Leaving my family for what? Like, maybe I'm not going to make it, you know, as a musician, maybe I'm wasting everybody's time and, you know, had some drinks. And if he was already feeling like... Disappearing in some way was a good idea. Maybe that was all it took. Was him being like him alone on the road, you know, like lonely travel by himself in this tiny town of nothing. I think like it said the population of that town was like twenty eight hundred people. So like right. itty bitty town. He's feeling very alone. He's been struggling as a musician for years. I could, I could see that that might have in that moment been like you know what. Why why am I doing this? And like, it'd be that sort of classic, like everybody would be better off without me right. type of feeling, which is super fucking sad.
1: It is really sad. I don't know. So I, I have to I definitely agree that the most logical would be that whether or not it was intentional or not, it seems like maybe he wandered into the desert and never found his way out. That seems like yeah. the most logical. And yeah, like, you know, even if they did an exhaustive search it's like a desert and there's all kinds of little like pits and valleys and rocks and like weird little places where if you were lost out in the desert and it gets fucking cold in the desert at night oh yeah and you're drinking vodka so you're not really aware of the cold until it's too cold um yeah and you might do something in order to kind of like like you could maybe seek shelter like you see like a rock formation and you would like climb into the rocks and try to like make yourself warm or whatever um so he could have like kind of sealed his own fate of never being found by tucking himself in to some weird little spot trying to stay warm and was so out of the way that nobody ever found him um you know and that could have been intentional that could have been unintentional could have been i've always like i've always wondered too if there was like yeah he bought that vodka but what i mean could have been like going out there to like do like peyote or mushrooms or acid out in the desert too to kind of have an experience Um, right I don't know it seems like he seems like the kind of guy that would take a trip out in the desert for that sort of reason but but what I want to believe happened for his sake (laughs) and for everyone's sake is (laughs) that he had been having abduction experiences or some kind of Communication with extraterrestrials, which led him to make the album that he made talking about aliens. And he, they told him basically, meet us at this spot in the desert and we'll bring you onto our ship and take you wherever or whatever. So maybe he's, maybe he's traveling through the galaxy still.
0: Yeah. That would be, I don't know. I think, I definitely can see why, um, you know, his wife would choose to believe that Right. because it would be really nice to think of that rather than, yeah, I don't know that your, your husband is not just laying somewhere in the desert forever and didn't like die this lonely death. Um, yeah. But I don't know. And there's also, there is a little bit of speculation that his song called UFO is actually talking about God, but It's unclear just like anything with analyzing song lyrics it's like Mm. is that what it sounds like is it something more symbolic um but one of the interpretations of the song lyrics that I read was like talking about him describing it's like seeing a UFO or whatever as like not like a scary thing and not a terrible like what the hell is that type of thing but just like a the way they put it was almost like huh would you look at that like (laughs) just interested you know like oh cool um which makes me feel a little bit better If that was the case That like he wasn't out there like Having this traumatic abduction That hopefully he was just like Oh cool Right
1: It's
0: like you guys Sweet And Was like a You know A pleasant experience I don't know hmm. Maybe You know There there are theories That abound That there are People that we think are human In our world That are actually Aliens hmm. um, And I know we've talked a little bit about that with, like, lizard people, and that's all much more, like, malicious and insidious. But, like, just the idea that there are aliens living among us that are just sort of, like, pretending to be people, not doing the best job at hiding, but, you know, you just assume that they're just weird, and they're kind of just observing, and then maybe at some point they go home. Right. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I landed with, you know, again, I, I do think the most likely is that he... Um in some way some people also speculated that because he was needing money and trying to make it that uh he could have gotten tied up in something sketchy and maybe somebody killed him to do with that, you know, maybe somewhat related to the mafia thing or unrelated to the mafia, he just got into a bad situation trying to make some money. That's possible too.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. Um But I think yeah, my my almost hopeful theory is yeah that he he was just like a weird dude that was actually an alien. Right. And they just came and got him. Mm-hmm. And he had to make it seem like it was something else because like you can't tell your wife and kids maybe that you're an alien. So you're just like, "You know what? Right. I'm going to Nashville and then you disappear and that's it's not ideal for everybody, but it's
1: the best you oh, can do." What if what if he was a time traveler <laughs> what if? and he was from whenever whatever time sometime in the future traveled back in time started this whole career you know like he grew up kind of like you know people like grow up and they're like oh i was like born in the wrong time man i should have lived in the 60s he was lat in the future goes back in time creates his whole life for himself where he's like a folk singer hanging out with dennis hopper and then realizes like man like this was cool but like be really cool to have a cell phone right about now (laughs) <laughs> and decided to come back to the future And so he went out into the desert And like went back to the future Yeah That's, that's dope That's hopeful too But then it's also be, shitty yeah. that, that he would like, be... left his wife and child That he made back in the past Well yeah
0: But you know maybe I don't know Just really wanted that iPhone <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Was it worth it? Just
0: like you know what dude the 70s suck yeah. Need, I need a, a device on my person at all times mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just sad. It's like and it's weirdly I think it's a different it's an interesting case in the sense that like usually with missing people the best that we have is like pictures or maybe like a video of them, you know, and most often it's like a security camera right. video that we can access as just like a member of the public researching it, but to have him be a musician and to have like songs that he has written and sang oh yeah to listen to and then to be like, "Oh, this guy is gone like <clears throat> spooky just disappeared it's like weird it definitely made I listened I told you before this like I listened to um at least his UFO album and the song UFO in particular was really good I liked it a lot um yeah it was weird it like gave the album as much as the music is not creepy it gave it a, a slightly creepy air just to know that even, it's not even like it's the, you know He wrote this album and then disappeared immediately Like there were like six years, I think, in between Right um But still, just knowing knowing what happened to him Or, or not knowing what happened to him, really dun, dun, dun. Is, yeah, gives it like this weird feeling So, yeah, that's, that's Jim Sullivan Super fascinating, very little detail case of just like What the fuck
1: hmm. Wild
0: Wild Yeah, how many people are just... How many bodies are there out in the desert? I don't man. know if we'll ever know.
1: It's a, it's a t-shirt right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, complete with the, like, man. <laughs> man? <laughs> dot, 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 man. Dot, dot, dot. Like, we'll just never know.
1: X-Files theme plays. Yeah. It's fucked up. Oh, well, that was so, kind of yeah. dark. Kind of a downer. Yeah. A little, little bit of a downer. This is, my story's not going to get any better either.
0: No. No. I I expected that. Yeah.
1: Well, have you ever heard of the, dis- the disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi? No, never. So let me just preface this by saying that this all takes place in Vatican City and in Rome. So there's a lot Ooh. of Italian names. And I apologize to <laughs> the country of Italy because I don't, <laughs> I don't apologize to the Catholic Church. But I apologize wow. to the country of Italy for mispronouncing all these names. So
0: yeah, I kind of I had a feeling that might happen.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so this all takes place in Vatican City, which I know, you know about Vatican City, but for our listeners mm. who did not grow up Catholic, Vatican City is like the capital of Catholicism. It's its own. It's technically its own country. Like it's its own city state with the head of state is the Pope. Um, it has its own like banking system, its own political process. It has its own, like, like it's famous for having the only ATM in the world that uses Latin as the text. Whoa, um, that's cool. Has its own post office and stuff. But it is completely contained within the city of Rome. Like, the country of Vatican City is within the city of Rome, which is within the country of Italy. Ah, um, oh, so confusing. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the boundary between Vatican City and Rome is pretty like porous like it's not like you have to like go through a checkpoint or anything um and it more or less functions as just like a neighborhood of rome um but vatican city is like the holiest place for catholics um Mm. and the unholiest place if you read about anything that the catholic church has ever done yeah so to live in vatican city isn't like you can't like like we couldn't just move to vatican city um you have to have some strong connection to the catholic church like whether that means you're like a cardinal or a bishop or you or even just like you work for the the government of vatican city like even as like a trash collector or whatever most of them like live in like rome or whatever you have to ha- it's like a pretty big deal if you get to live in vatican city it's like an honor um hmm. so the subject of our of our discussion Emanuela, um she was the fourth of five children of Ercole and Maria Orlandi, which Ercole is a dope name. But that is a dope name. Ercole was... He worked for the Vatican as a clerk um, organizing the papal audience. So it sounds like he, was, he wasn't, he was like, an ordained, Like, he wasn't ordained. He wasn't part of, like, the clergy or anything. He seemed like he was just kind of, like... You know, because it's like a, like a city-state, and there's, like, a lot of boring shit you have to do to, like, just... Like live and survive and do what the pope needs to do so it sounds like he was just kind of like a worker like he wasn't like a you know part of the 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 catholic church or anything um so she was 15 years old um and was in like their the vatican city equivalent of high school and she was really interested in music so she played the flute and attended music school when this was happening okay so This was in uh, so in June 22nd 1983 Emanuela is 15 years old Um, she would normally take the bus to music school get off at um, the closest stop and then walk um, the rest of the way to the music school so on June 22nd she left the apartment in Vatican City and was traveling to the music school which was technically in Rome so she was traveling outside of Vatican City I don't know how much that matters, but just for context. um, Mm. So while she's on her way, uh, like after she got off the bus and she's walking, um, a man in a green BMW stopped her on the street and offered her money to sell Avon cosmetics. So (laughs) this is a weird little detail because it's like I think some of it has to do with translation errors. So this guy in the green BMW, definitely a man in a green BMW stopped and talked to her. And it seems like what he was offering her wasn't necessarily to sell Avon products, but he was offering... There was going to be, like, a trade show with, like, booths and stuff, and he was offering her, like, 500 bucks to, like, work at this booth and sell Avon cosmetics from the booth. Okay. So, um... She... it, It apparently, like, seemed, like, off to her. She called her sister and, um... Her sister was like yo like don't don't do it let's talk to mom and dad tonight like don't say yes or anything um and she seemed like pretty upset about it so she goes and gets to the lesson she shows up late because she was talking to her sister and that guy was talking to her um she seemed distracted while she was in the lesson um and asked to leave hmm. early around six fifty p.m so she leaves um a few of her friends saw her get onto the bus that she took back home and she started talking to a red-haired female passenger in the bus. Bus pulls off. She's never been seen again. Jesus. So it's a literally, like, that's that's basically the nuts and bolts of what happened on the day of her disappearance. There's not a lot of other context that's been found. Um, mm. There's going to be more stuff that happens, but that is going to be in, like, the, the theories section. Um, okay. So it's kind of shitty the police had suggested waiting to report her missing once her parents because her parents reported her missing the next day um like around noon they were like wait why isn't she home yet which seems like a long a long time like around noon the next she disappeared at like 7 p.m the night before and then the next day until afternoon they're like wait why isn't our like 15 year old daughter home outside of yeah. her routine um and the police were even like, oh, like let's just wait a little bit. Who knows, teenagers, she might come back. She might have run away or whatever. But anyways. Um, oh, Jesus. She's fine. Yeah, she's 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 a 15-year-old in, in Rome. What's going to happen? Yeah, she's fine. Um, But, yeah, so she's declared missing, and it becomes this, like, massive story. Because, it's you know, it's Vatican City. There's, like, no crime in Vatican City. Um, mm. So it's this huge thing. You know, there's, like, they plaster posters all over rome and vatican city with her face on it um the pope john paul this was during the the reign of pope john paul ii um he so on sunday july 3rd so like about a month later not even a month later a couple weeks later he was giving the angelus which is some catholic address or whatever and during that he appealed to those responsible for orlandi's disappearance um To come forward and like Like bring her home basically Which was the first time hmm. that it was like Sort of confirmed publicly that there was Potentially like a kidnapping angle To Orlandy's disappearance Oh uh, wow So basically that Now, now we just kind of have to get into the theories Because all these theories there's So with any massive Disappearance case there's going To be people who call in To either like prank Call um Or just to like troll the cops or whatever so there's a ton of phone calls that come in and it's like a hard thing obviously to sift through what's legit and what's not so a lot of these angles will kind of pull us into the different the different directions of what could have happened to Emanuela. um so the 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 initial investigation was just that she was lured away and kidnapped raped and murdered by like a sexual predator just like standard Dang. serial killer uh, not to like gloss over that and say like it's not a big deal but no um, no no but it's again i'm
0: like surprised that they like were just like oh yeah she was probably just raped it's like
1: whoa <laughs> she's Bro. i mean like 15 year old girl <laughs> in the 80s i don't know um yeah i mean
0: i guess yeah
1: so that was that's kind 80s. of like the one theory that's never been corroborated or substantiated there's kind of nothing they dude in the bmw um that's like the biggest clue that i guess all of these theories kind of like all these theories kind of basically speculate as to who the guy on the green BMW was. So this theory would be yep. that, you know, the guy in the green BMW was a serial killer and was trying to get her and ended up getting her when she was on her way home. Um, Dang. Not much else about that. So then there was a phone call that was received on June 25th. So two days later um, from somebody who claimed to be a 16 year old boy named pierre luigi which is not a joke it's a joke name. actually <laughs> his name supposedly that's intense um <laughs> so he said that he him and his fiance so he's 16 years old and he has a fiance but whatever it's you know huh. di- different time. again
0: italy in the 80s <laughs> i guess <laughs> exactly
1: um so he and his fiance um had run into a girl at piazza navona um that afternoon so this would have been two days after her disappearance they had run into this girl. Um, he said that she had a flute, um, and her hair and glasses description matched what um, Orlandi used to wear. So hmm. he said that she had a, but that she had a, a gotten. A, she said that she had recently gotten a haircut, and introduced herself as Barbarella, and said th- that she had just run away from home and was selling Avon products. Whoa! Right. So huh. then on the twenty-eighth a man named Mario called in Mario and Luigi. That's why this seems (laughs) uh, not legit. Mario and Pierre Luigi (laughs) um, Hmm. called the family and claimed to own a bar near Ponte Vittorio between the Vatican and the music school. So it would have been right on her way to the music school. Um, And he said that a girl named Barbara, a new customer had confided to him about being a fugitive from home, but said that she would return home for her sister's wedding. So... Whoa. Pierre Luigi says he met a, n- a girl named Barbarella who was running away from home and selling Avon products. Mario says that he ran into a girl named Barbara, you know, Barbara, Barbarella, who said that she had run away from home and was a fugitive, but that she would return home from her sister's wedding. So she never huh. did return home for her sister's wedding. And, so wait,
0: her sister actually was getting married?
1: Yeah, that seemed like a legit... Well, actually, you know, honestly... I don't know how legit that was. It's seen, It's been reported as if it was a, a legit thing, you know. Maybe and right. maybe the sister. It also could have been the situation too, where maybe the sister kind of had like a secret boyfriend. Or again, Italy in the 80s, um, you know, openly dating wasn't maybe maybe not a thing, especially if you're a family that literally lives in the Vatican. And like this girl, Emmanuela, I forgot to mention. She like grew up, work like walking around the Vatican, like she would routinely just like run into the Pope, like, whoa, just live in life. Like, so she was just, so they were like very like connected to like the Catholic church, whether or not they were part of like, like ordained. So it's possible that maybe the sister had confided in her sister, like Emanuela, that she was going to get married to this guy. And you know, who knows how legit it was, you know, you, when you're 15 or 16, you say things like, Oh, we're going to get married one day. And it's like, are you, are you actually going to get married? Yeah. Um. Right. So, hmm. who knows. That's so it's like it's one of those things where that's kind of like like the dead end there. Um it this will come up again a little bit later, but that's kind of the end of it. It's just these two people reporting that they ran into a girl um who was potentially starting a new life. Okay? So that's right. so that's another theory is that um she got this random job offer from some guy to like sell Avon products and she decided to like Run away and start a whole new life You know like In the same city that she was living in before Yeah Doesn't make a lot of sense but also she was 15 So that's like the dumb shit that 15 year olds do I right. don't know
0: Seems yeah seems plausible Plausible
1: Um. Alright so now we start getting into some Wild shit <laughs> Yes So in 1981 Which is a couple years before this um, Mehmet Ali Agka was a Turkish. <laughs> yeah, so this is a Turkish dude. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm so sorry <laughs> to the country of Turkey. Um, he uh, he attempted to assassinate Pope John Paul II, which was a big okay. thing. It was there's a famous video of it where he was, you know, Pope John Paul is riding in an open top car, and this dude comes out of the crowd with a gun, shot him like four times, hit Pope John Paul in the stomach and stuff. This dude gets um, tackled basically and put in jail. Um, and it was a big this Dang. big famous thing because pope john paul met with this dude Mehmet and like forg- publicly forgave him and said like you will be in god's kingdom i've forgiven you blah blah, blah. um bro so this dude mess Ma- that up right <laughs> this dude Mamet turns out he was a member uh so this is going to get into like some political like some some complicated international relations here so Mamet was from turkey And he had grown up kind of, they described him as like a mercenary. He's adjacent to all of these political movements, but he doesn't actually seem to have like a a staunch ideology. He's basically just going wherever the money is because he worked for like a Marxist-Leninist kind of like militia in Turkey. But then he also started getting involved with this like fascist organization called the Gray Wolves. So it's kind of like he doesn't really have a strong ideology because like fascism and communism, you know, totally, totally against each other. Um, so he was just going wherever the money was. So, as a member of the Grey Wolves, he assassinated some local official in Turkey. Flees Turkey, ends up in Bulgaria, which I guess Bulgaria is the capital of the or like where the the Turkish mafia operates out of. Not clear why. Okay. Do your own research. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's like living in Bulgaria and then basically it's plugged into this whole system where they figure out, okay, he successfully assassinated this one guy. Now we want to assassinate the Pope because he was seen as like a crusader who like invaded the middle East, blah, blah, blah. Again, super complex, not super important to the story. Point being this dude, Momet ends up assassinate or attempting to assassinate Pope John Paul and, and ends up in prison. So, While this dude's sitting in prison There was a phone call That was made after Orlandi's disappearance And there's like multiple phone calls Where basically they say that Orlandi was kidnapped And is being held ransom And the only way to get her back Is to release Mamet from prison Whoa So there's multiple phone calls From somebody who's called the American Which I guess in Italy they spell America with a K Which is very appropriate (laughs) They should just add two more um yeah, right? Just
0: America. complete that little trio there.
1: Um Yeah, so the when they start reporting or like when they when the the American calls and is like basically saying release Mamet and we'll release Orlandi um mentions Mario and Pierre Luigi from the earlier telephone calls defining them as members of the organization. So I guess the idea Whoa. would be that they were calling to try to like basically like end the investigation like oh okay she like ran away from home no need to investigate but like if you're going to it doesn't make a lot of sense to me cuz if you're going to kidnap somebody and hold them for ransom to get somebody out of prison why would you like then make a phone call basically saying that they ran away from home it doesn't doesn't super click for me Bring it um
0: like besides maybe just not wanting if like the police did seem like they were just gonna end it and just be like well she you know she's probably just murdered like nothing to see oh geez hopefully that wasn't loud um uh-huh. yeah if they were just like nothing to see here she's most likely murdered type of sort of like closing the book almost right. like maybe they just wanted to keep the hope a lot like that she's like alive huh in a way i don't
1: know i don't know seems strange this is all like so the basically they uh, again the American called and was like yo we're gonna like we're gonna leave a basket in Vatican City that has like proof that she's still alive and that we have her including like a photocopy of her school ID and uh, like a handwritten note and shit and basically the Vatican was like we don't believe that there's any credible connection between the abduction and um you know the m- the Mamet dude so they just never engaged with this at all
0: what yeah they're basically just That's like no nah,
1: this can't be legit and it never never materialized there was never any proof that orlandi was alive and in their in their custody or whatever was ever proven so um Shit. it's it's kind of a dead end um you know there was 16, 16 phone calls made um and then to further complicate things though so memet himself kind of became a celebrity in prison um especially after pope john paul met with him to like um forgive him or whatever he said Mm -hmm. when he was first arrested that um orlandi had been well when he was first arrested he said that he was basically being that there were members of the vatican who had conspired with the gray wolves to kill the pope he changed his story like 15 times is what is is what i'm trying to get at at one point he said that orlandi had been kidnapped by bulgarian agents of the gray wolves um and that she was being held alive not in danger and basically living in a cloistered convent in Liechtenstein.
0: jesus
1: (laughs) so that's what the dude mamet himself said um she was kidnapped and basically forced to be a nun he said that she was um still alive and her family could see her whenever they wanted to but that she could never leave and they could never basically talk about her being there um which again seems like i'll get into my theory as to why this all got woven into the orlandi case um but even so this one dude who was a judge an italian judge he was the he was an italian magistrate and the honorary president of the supreme court of italy ferdinando impassimato um
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) Nice accent
1: (laughs) he he said that based on what he had learned about the gray wolves he said that orlandi by then, an adult was living a perfectly integrated life in the Muslim community, and that she had probably lived a long time in Paris. So oh. this dude's like a pretty high up judge in Italy. He's the only one who believes this story, by the way. But pretty high up, dude. Um, you know, honorary president of the Supreme Court of Italy. Um, basically, says that she's living alive in the Muslim community and lived in Paris for a while. What the hell? Um, there's. So that's that's more or less it for that theory. It's basically that she was kidnapped in some way by the uh, this Turkish organization as leverage to get Mehmet released from prison. There's never been any, like, proof given. Um, this dude, Mehmet, still talks about it. It feels like, to me, this was a political group seizing a random news story and basically claiming mm. it for themselves as a way of basically having... Like they didn't have to organize the kidnapping at all. They didn't have to do shit. All they had to do was then just say like, "Oh yeah, that was us. If we'll let her go, if you let this guy go," and they could just forge whatever they needed to. To like, you know, they have like the backing of, they have like a, they're like a pretty, from what I've read, they're like a pretty big, big like a big deal in Turkey and whatnot. So they have money and resources to like, fake documents and or produce like a look-alike. To pretend to be her to try to get this dude out of prison. They had also... Um, right. They had uh, hijacked an airplane and demanded Mamet's release, but that didn't work either. Jesus. So it seems like it's Dang, something that's dude. relatively within their wheelhouse, but I don't think that they had anything to do with it. It seems like them just latching on to a to a current event and trying to make it seem like they did it when they really didn't.
0: Right. Cause like, it seems like it could definitely... It could go either way. Yeah. Because, like, if they knew that there's barely any crime there that, like, especially kidnapping, like, a young girl would be a huge deal and would, like, get a lot of attention and would be something that, like, even more so than if they had, like, kidnapped, like, a politician or something. Oh, yeah. I feel like kidnapping a kid, particularly a young girl, would, like, get way more media attention and would make people just be like, we'll do whatever. Right. But the fact that, like... You would think if they had actually done that and they were like, hey, if you release him, we'll release her. Even if everybody was like, nah, we don't think you did that, that they would, like, have released something else to be like, no, seriously, we have her. Well, right,
1: because then you still have like, a kidnapped 15-year-old girl in your custody. Yeah. Like, you have to do something with her. Like, you still have her kidnapped. Like, you don't want to, like... Because if... And then if they were just like, yeah, oh, fuck this, clearly it's not going to work, we're just going to let her go, she would have gone home. So you would have found that yeah. out.
0: And, like... I don't. Know, I mean, I don't know enough about those types of groups to know if it does make sense. But like, it doesn't make sense to me if like that the honorary president you mentioned like was like, oh yeah, she's probably just like integrated with the this other society. Like, why if they kidnapped her to get Mamet out of prison and it didn't work, like a why wouldn't they have tried harder? But b even if they had been like, oh well, right. Like I just I, may, I guess maybe it seems it seems weird. For them to just let her go and be like here go back to Italy But like that seems odd that they would be like well We tried and that didn't work so we're Just gonna like leave her in this community I mean right. I guess that's I guess better Than it, sending her back but I don't know
1: the, the What it reminded me of almost was the Story of Patty Hearst where she's Kidnapped oh yeah and you know Because of Stockholm Syndrome Ends up identifying with her captors and then Ends up like participating In these crimes with her captors so maybe She identified with them and ended up wanting to live with them and integrate with them. You know, maybe she was living too cloistered of a life in Vatican City, and this was, like, new and exciting, and she wanted to, you know, live a a whole different life. But I don't know. And the whole idea of her being held as a nun in a convent and not being able to leave does make some sense because there is some sketchy shit that happens with nuns, which I'll get into a little bit later, um, with the Catholic Church. But, like, I don't know. It just seems... It doesn't seem super plausible like it's a really like it Mm. sounds like a like a like a Robert Ludlum novel or something it sounds like a like a like a spy book which was very much like in the in like the zeitgeist at the time like you have these like you know Libyan terrorists and people hijacking planes and like the um, you know RAF are committing acts of terrorism it it just seems like it was like the zeitgeist at the time was about like international terrorism And so, like, let's just apply the zeitgeist of the time to this this big news story. Right. Um, So, yeah. So, that's that. The next fucking rabbit hole that this whole story brought me down was the involvement of the Italian mafia, potentially. Oh, shit. So, of course, because you're in Italy, you're going to have the mafia involved. So, there's this one particular... So, I guess the way that the Italian Mafia works is similar to how, like, the five families in New York and the United States works. Where you have sort of, like, different organizations within the larger moniker of the Mafia. So, each... But this Mm -hmm. is, like, regional. So, the Rome, like, organized crime family was known as Banda della Magliana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: like, the accent you keep slipping into is like I feel like both amazing and maybe offensive yeah. It's never <laughs> but...
1: The Italians You can always do an Italian accent It's never racist You can always do that
0: It's just like I feel like you're trying to like Make up for the fact that you're like I'm not totally sure how to say this But if I say it with like enough flair It's gonna sound right <laughs>
1: Exactly With enough flair Yeah It works for everything So Banda della Magliana Was <laughs> wow. Based in Rome um, they were heavily involved in criminal activities during the, quote, years of lead, which is dope and also huh. kind of dark. That is dope. Um, yeah. So the Italian government claimed that they were closely allied with other criminal organizations such as Cosa Nostra, the Camorra, the Andrageta, and ha- even had links to neo-fascist militant and terrorist groups in Italy. So dang, this Rome-based organized crime family were involved in some heavy shit. Um, you can look up them and they've done they were involved in like stuff that's like you know classic sort of organized crime stuff like prostitution and drug running and stuff but then also like some pretty heavy like terrorism like they participated in like a bombing of an airliner and assassinating political officials and stuff so it's a complex and pretty like heavy organized crime organization um, so gonna get into the weeds here there was this bank called Banco Ambrosiano, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was headed by this dude, Roberto Calvi, who... So, Roberto <laughs> Calvi runs this bank, yes. and this bank is like a sketchy bank that's like more or less owned and controlled by the mafia. It seems kind of like a money laundering bank, essentially. Um, and the dude, Calvi, ended up... So, the thing that kind of like fucked up the money for the mafia was that this dude, Calvi... Was a member of the Masons. He was actually like the, the the head of a Masonic lodge, and I think there was cool. some speculation that he was funneling money into the Masonic lodge. Or there was like essentially this big scandal where there was like a bunch of money missing, and this dude was like raided, like his like house was raided, and he had to like flee the country, and has like been on the run ever since. Um, and so basically this bank has to fold because it's like all this sketchy stuff is happening with the money. So Shit. when the bank went under, I guess the vatican the Vatican had taken out loans from this sketchy bank, or had been like had borrowed money from the sketchy bank. And so essentially the Vatican owed money to this bank, but then the bank was run by the mafia, so it was sort of like the Vatican owed money to the Mafia. Oh no. So the idea is that La Banda della Magliana kidnapped <laughs> Orlandi, a you know a 15 year old girl living it's same basically the same idea as what happened with Mamet where she's kidnapped as collateral to force the hand of the Vatican to like pay back these loans or whatever mm. um and it so there's some weird connections here too so the church of saint apollinari what <laughs> is this uh is this church that has a <laughs> crypt below it where there's like i think there's like some famous like not famous but like cardinals and like very holy people I think there's even like a couple popes buried underneath this church in the crypt so it's like a very holy place so this church is literally right next to the music school where Emanuela was going like they like the the buildings are literally like part of the same building essentially Um, so this church was the final resting place of the head of the Magliana gang, his name was Enrico de Peris <laughs> So, this dude, Enrico, like, I like it. Right?
0: I like it the more that you do it. <laughs> it's growing on me. Oh, man. Um, so, Enri- oh, Enrico
1: God. was the head of this organized crime family. Somehow, even though he's like very openly the head of this organized crime family, somehow he ended up like bribing one of the cardinals and was given permission to be buried in this super holy crypt. So his body is buried in the church next to the music school where Emanuela went to school. Shit. So it ended up coming out later that this happened and people were like, how the fuck did an organized crime dude get buried in this like church or whatever? And his body was disinterred, cremated and whatever. So, so this dude's buried there. And in, um, February, 2006, an ex-member of the Magliana gang recognized the voice of quote-unquote Mario and this dude Mario, who had called in saying that he had seen her um, at his bar or whatever, this dude Mario supposedly was one of the contract killers who worked for DePedis. Whoa. Whoa. Um, so, then um, the former mistress of Enrico De Piedis told the authorities that DePettis had confessed to her basically that he had been the one to kidnap Emanuela um, and that she had basically eventually been killed and that he was so he was supposedly so DePettis this like head of the organized crime family was the one in the green BMW who kidnapped her for leverage to get the Vatican to pay him money back. Um, Dang. And... This was like reported in like there was a there was some Colin show and somebody gave an anonymous tip basically saying like if you open up De Pettis crypt you'll find information about Orlandi or whatever. Whoa! So they did. They opened his tomb and there was nothing in there. Like it was just his bones. There was no there was no clues. There was nothing. It seemed kind of like a dead end. Um, Damn it! Again, you just have to sift through these like mountains of bullshit to find the truth, and I th- it feels to me like again this whole like mafia connection to like the Vatican bank and all this shit. It seems like that was just like in the cultural zeitgeist and it was grafted onto the story of, of Emanuela. And it even fits better because like he was buried right next to where she was going to school. Yeah. So there's been all these like reports like his ex, like the dude's ex mistress saying basically that he confessed to kidnapping her. But again, think of this logically, he's the leader of one of the most powerful organized crime gangs in Italy why the fuck would he be on the ground in a green BMW kidnapping a 15 year old girl? Right. He's probably like a millionaire. Yeah. He would not be the one just doing the, like doing the dirty, the dirty deeds or whatever. He'd be like giving that to someone else and they would be doing it for him. He would have absolutely not be getting his, his like hands dirty, kidnapping a 15 year old girl. Hmm. Doesn't yeah, fit. That's true. And then they checked his tomb and huh. there was, there was no evidence in there too. So it just seems like, again, you're just grafting this story onto a kidnapping. Hmm.
0: fucking it that was <sighs> yeah. cool though that was like i thought that was gonna be well i guess i you know should have known that wasn't gonna go somewhere because obviously if it
1: had it wouldn't be a
0: <laughs> exactly anymore. but that um, was like still a suspenseful moment of like oh oh, and they opened the tomb and then and no
1: and nothing shit um, this is still an ongoing Damn thing too no. like this there's shit that happened with this case like in 2019 so dang um uh, funny side note, too. So that dude who owned the bank was a member of the Masons, which I don't know if we've talked about yeah. the Masons. We've probably talked about them a little bit. Super sketchy. Uh, a little bit. They, they probably deserve their own episode. But um, in oh, yeah, that's gonna 1990, so seven years after uh, Emanuela disappeared, the this church where Depedius was buried and right next to where her music school was, this church was granted to Opus Dei and is now Whoa. part of their pontifical university of the holy cross which for those who don't know opus day is the shadowy catholic organization in the da vinci code that perpetuated yes. all that shit so you have a mason and you have opus day involved in this in a weird way too shit so
0: let's say we we talked about the masons was that only in the denver international airport episode oh probably or was that totally unrelated we definitely talked about the masons in some like I think that was. I think we were talking about up, like, the Masons being involved. Oh
1: yeah, because I think that there, there's like that plaque at Denver International Airport that says something about yes. the Masons.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we delved in like just enough to be like future episode.
1: Someday but, we'll uh, do a whole episode on them.
0: Oh yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be intense. Dang. So that <laughs> is like the most I think in-depth theories that have existed like. Concurrently, I know for a topic, (laughs) those are and I still have one one of those is so complicated.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, Jesus! So, those are the two sort of like political (laughs) ones. So, you got the whole like the dude who assassinated the Pope that she's being held as ransom to get him out of jail, you have the fact that she's been kidnapped uh, by the mafia to get money out of the Vatican. Third option, okay, Jesus, is that she was kidnapped by the Vatican itself as a human sex trafficking. Sort of thing Okay Dang So In May 2020 When There was um, Some more interest In this case So I mean May 2020 That's a full 30 years Essentially after She disappeared This dude mm. uh, Father Gabriel Amort Who is a Catholic priest And exorcist Of the diocese Of Rome Who has performed okay. Tens of thousands Of exorcisms Over his 60 plus Years as a priest And he is the Bro. He is appointed As the exorcist For the diocese Of Rome He was the chief exorcist of the Vatican. That's who this dude is. Okay? Fucking exorcist. Like, to be an exorcist (laughs) for the Catholic Church is not easy. There's not many exorcists left for the Vatican.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. And this
1: dude was the chief exorcist. So, at this point, he was 85, and Father Amort said that Orlandi was kidnapped by a member of the Vatican police for sex parties and then murdered. Whoa. Right. Which, if you know anything about the Catholic Church... Kidnapping a child for sex parties would not be outside of their wheelhouse. No, not at all. Um, and Dang. I mean, so just to, uh, so I want to believe this dude because he has a dope resume, being the chief exorcist of the uh, diocese of Rome. But here's yeah, a here's another here's another quote by him, just to kind of temper your expectations about whether you should believe him or not. This is a quote by oh, Father Amort. Uh, he's quoted as saying that yoga is satanic because it leads to the practice of hinduism and quote all eastern religions are based on the false belief in reincarnation and that practicing yoga is satanic and leads to evil just like reading harry potter oh okay so well well then i'm not saying he's full of shit but he's maybe full of shit um and again yeah 30 years later why didn't he come out with this a lot longer ago um There was also a journalist, Pino Nicotri. Um, He wrote a whole book that claims that Emanuela was the victim of a satanic sexual orgy organized by certain priests who then confessed to investigators by sending in endless tips. Jesus. Again, wrote a book about this. So, yeah, I mean, you can kind of, you can connect all the dots here. It's a, you know it's always a possibility like oh she was kidnapped by some shadowy cabal that's holding her or held her for a certain period of time and sexually abused her and then murdered her kind of like a jeffrey epstein situation but like for the vatican um yeah and then you can connect it to the whole the whole um you know satanic like oh the catholic church is actually satanic kind of deal not right. a huge yeah. amount of detail there's not a huge there's like all these like weird tips and stuff um There were supposedly some documents that were produced that basically like internal Vatican documents that were essentially like, um, like financial documents showing that she was still alive and that she was that like her needs were being taken care of by the Vatican. Vatican denies that these papers are real because they're like missing these like official stamps that they need. But other people Mm. claim that they're real, and of course the Vatican would say that they're not real.
0: Oh right, yeah.
1: Um, Who the fuck knows? Um, and yeah, so since then, you know, in 2018, they were digging outside of the embassy. Um, the, the So for some fucking reason, the Vatican has an embassy in Rome, even though it's like literally oh. you can throw a rock from the Vatican into Rome. Anyways, they were digging outside of that embassy and they found some bones and they were like, oh shit. And they did a DNA test specifically to see if it was Orlandi. Nope. Turns out it was a Roman man who lived between 190 and 230 A.D. Jesus. <laughs> yep. Um, what the fuck? And then in two thousand in July of two thousand nineteen, there were two tombs that they had gotten, um, like a tip that Orlandi's body might be in one of these two tombs. They weren't clear on they were or they weren't very open about who gave these tips or what the tips even were. So they opened two tombs in the Vatican. Um, it was the two, in, in the Teutonic, uh, the Teutonic graveyard. Um, hmm. and so one of them was the tomb of the angel which was supposed to contain the remains of princess Sophie of Holland Waldenburg, Bernstein and then another that contained Jesus. Duchess Charlotte Frederica of Meckleburg basically just two like two vaguely royal people from somewhere in Central Europe who were buried in the Vatican so yeah. they opened these two tombs to see if um, her body uh Emanuela's body was in either of these tombs. Plot twist, there were no bodies in either of the tombs, including the people Whoa. who were supposed to be buried there.
0: What the fuck? Right.
1: There's just nothing, just fucking empty. They found some bone fragments. This fucking story. These bone fragments were from like the Napoleonic era. So, Oh
0: my god. What the hell?
1: Yeah. Um, but then So many so many twists. And then a couple days later, The Vatican announced that the two that two sets of bones had been found near the tombs of the two princesses, raising speculation that they might be the remains of Orlandi. But the carbon-14 dating said that they were too old; they're from like the 60s, and they were not Orlandi. Jesus, that's all I got. What the fuck, man? It's a fucking lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm exhausted. That's
0: a lot. Yeah, that's that's a lot to have that be all you got.
1: But Jesus. Yeah, so that was 2019, two years ago. Still, wow. still ongoing. It's still very much a live thing. Um, her body could still like you figure someplace like the Vatican in Rome. Like, it's not like she's like lost in the woods or she's lost in a desert somewhere. If she's dead, her body is like somewhere, like in a very, right. very urbanized center. So,
0: God dang, possible. So, what do you what do you think is your Do you subscribe to one of those theories? Do you have a totally different theory?
1: I think that just a simple serial killer or sex trafficking, kidnapping, is the most likely in this case. Um, Mm. That she was kidnapped and either just like sexually abused and murdered right there that day, or that she was kidnapped and potentially sold into whatever, human trafficking or whatever, seems the most logical to me um given the fact that there's pretty much like no debate as to whether or not that green bmw existed unless she was talking to a guy in it seems legit that somebody was like and there was there's some other details that you can look that are not necessarily substantiated there's another girl who disappeared right around this time who was kind of near this but it was like in rome close to vatican city um and there was also a few other girls who had been contacted by somebody to sell Avon. But Avon said basically, like, we don't hire men, first of all. And second of all, we definitely huh. didn't offer this. So it's clearly not a real Avon representative. So some guy was going around offering young girls um, the like ability to sell Avon products or whatever. Not all of them disappeared, huh. but Orlandi disappeared. So it yeah. seems like maybe he was just a serial killer. And that was his ruse to get people in Um, but I guess I don't know I don't I'm not in I don't think the whole kidnapping to get that dude out of prison I don't think I buy that that feels grafted on that feels too much like a spy novel to me to be legit and the mafia connection also doesn't feel super grounded in reality it seems very fanciful and like you're trying to weave a better tale than what really happened Um, Right. Because, like, I feel like if in that case that they were trying to extort money out of the Vatican, they would kidnap somebody with a little bit more cultural cachet or, like, who would be more valuable or somebody who would be able to pull more strings or something. I don't know. It just doesn't seem... I mean, like, organized crime does fucked up shit to civilians all the time, but it just doesn't seem like it... It doesn't seem logical and doesn't seem like it fits. Um, Right. And, again, the Vatican has so much fucking money that if they wanted to, they could just give that money and get that 15 year old girl back and it would just be done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, I think, I think just simple, simple, either serial killer or human trafficking. Um, But I do kind of want to believe the whole like Catholic church was behind it because I think the Catholic church is the, the bad guy that I want to be the bad guy in this story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you want it to be them having kidnapped her for human trafficking,
1: right? Because I I totally would believe that that shit happens. Because well, oh yeah. One thing I was gonna say that I alluded to earlier was the whole um, the whole idea of her being cloistered as a uh, nun, basically, and being held against her will. That's a mm-hmm. very real thing. There's actually been some reports. I think it's in it was in Spain, maybe rural Italy, maybe South America. I don't remember, but. This happened where the these um, nuns were essentially being held as sex slaves for the uh, priests who, like, ran the convent. And they were just Jesus. sexually abused and raped on, like, a daily basis for, li- like, literally, like, decades. Um, oh, my God. And it was a, it was, like, classic story of, like, you know, a very, like, religious town these nuns weren't allowed to talk about it because like the men who were abusing them were the high up members of the church and it was just this awful story and um, that's absolutely real and grounded in reality you can look it up so the idea of a girl being kidnapped and held against her will to be a nun is 100% something that the Catholic Church has done so I could believe that she was being held against her will as a nun but not by turkish neo-fascist um organization <laughs> the gray wolves but rather gray wolves just the yeah. catholic church themselves but then it begs the question why her again why such a high profile person who clearly would be missed and just makes the vatican look so bad because like there's no crime in the vatican right. so why would you kidnap somebody from the vatican if you were the vatican you know right I don't yeah know.
0: like even just go into rome where there's right a lot more crime and kidnap somebody there seems I automatic mean, I guess technically she was in Rome, but like she was from the Vatican right. city, so why hmm right but you know, I guess it definitely feels like one of those things where it's like the the Pope and like the Vatican and the church in general would probably feel very like above suspicion, like of course it's not them, of course, it's like the mafia or these other various. Crime organization type of people, and it, like, would never be the Vatican, even though. Right. Like, it definitely would. Oh, yeah. Shit.
1: Yeah. Jesus. So I'm exhausted.
0: It's like... Yeah, yeah. That's so, that was so much. <laughs>
1: this
0: poor girl's family, like, mm-hmm. never... Imagine, like, that, too. Like, especially with the dad working for the Vatican. Like, imagine mm-hmm. one of the theories being that she was kidnapped by members of the Vatican. Right. Like
1: he died in 2004 that awful. the dad did Damn. the brother uh, one of the brothers Pietro oh yeah on the morning she disappeared I guess Um, her she wanted her brother to walk her to school and he was like basically bitching about it and said no and so he's no like kind of beat himself up saying like man maybe if I had been with her she wouldn't have been kidnapped or whatever um, right which sucks but he's now uh, he is still very much involved in the case and is trying to like you know justice for her and they've i guess the family has requested some documents from the vatican that have been produced but nothing has really come of it it seems like it's still an active thing and it seems to me also like they might have been communicating with the vatican more like under the table kind of deal and that like whatever they might have learned from the vatican like wasn't released to the public because the catholic church is notoriously secretive yeah so
0: oh yeah yeah, they would never want, like, any, and like, obviously a very powerful organization, so it's not like it would be hard to keep things under wraps. No.
1: Jesus. Right. Like, all of Dang. the child sexual abuse that happened over the course of, you know, hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. God damn it. <sighs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like, this is all just making me, I'm like, every episode we've done now since we started back up, I'm like, Oh this is gonna be easy we're gonna have like two like really simple topics and then yours is like fucking get ready (laughs) (laughs) got like Uh, 50 different theories and this is like a way cooler story and now i'm like oh mine was just like dude disappeared in the desert and maybe he just got really cold and died no man
1: jim sullivan hits a crazy crazy, that's a classic one though because he was i don't know so you have the you so our, our our wanted theories are that Jim Sullivan was abducted by aliens, or returned home to aliens, or yeah. was a time traveler. And Emanuela was kidnapped by the Catholic Church and is being held as a sexual slave in some convent somewhere. Yeah. Pretty dark. That's,
0: yeah, it's pretty dark, pretty dark. Those are like the preferred... Well, I guess mine's a little less dark, but yours is pretty dark. <laughs>
1: I guess I want to caveat think... that by saying I don't prefer that that's what happened It's just <laughs> I want the Catholic Church to be the bad guy Because the Catholic Church deserves Deserves to be the bad guy All the time
0: Yeah right I think, I think that does to me that seems Like both The theory that I want and Well actually I guess Okay for yours the theory that I would love That would be best For her would be that That sort of first mention of, like, people saw her and she was running away and starting a new life. Like, that would be better. Right. That's, like, that's what I don't think is likely, but I think would be nice. Right. But I think, yeah, I think the most likely is that she was sex trafficked by the church. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, yes. Which is fucked up. I do hope that she just started a new life and got the fuck away from her religious family. That would be kind of cool.
0: Yeah, right. If that was, like, a big issue for her and she felt really... Like you said Like really stifled And yeah She just decided Like you know what Fuck this I'm going mm-hmm. Like that sucks To like run away And that still like Sucks a lot Obviously for her family Especially Them having no idea But Right That's like the best case scenario I think For her like Being alive And Just like Doing her own thing Right But Yeah I feel like she probably Was a sex slave Yeah Most likely Sucks man Dang I can't believe I knew nothing about that.
1: Right. I didn't know anything about it either until I started researching. That's wild. Wild story.
0: No, that was a good one. That was a really good one. Yeah, there will definitely be many more. Obviously, like we said it before, we can do a million episodes. We could just have a podcast for nothing but missing people. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of, a, um, again, not good, but there's endless interesting missing persons cases. Yes. And uh, we have many... On our list, some of which were Recommended by listeners, so As always, listeners, uh, if you Have a case that you Love, or if there's, like, a case from your Hometown or something Mm. Uh, let us know, we would always love to Add stuff to our list, and, uh You know, we can never promise That we'll get to it immediately, but, like, it will be on The list, and it will be gotten to eventually Oh, yeah Um, yeah, we'd love to hear what you all Think of this or anything Uh find us on Instagram at unknowable podcast. You can find us on Patreon. We've got some good benefits that we need to, uh, get back on here because we kind of took that break for a little while and we didn't really do anything for a little bit. So yep. we're, we're getting everything back up and running. Oh yeah, We're getting there. Um, we're getting there. It's hard, but, uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think. Give us some topics. Um, just tell us some cool stuff and, yeah that was episode 68 i'm like 99 percent sure that's right <laughs> i said it to you before we started recording and like i still i'm just like what pretty sure yeah episode 68 of unknowable, unknowable.
1: Oh. <laughs> love you